Hi, listeners, and welcome to the Learning Podcast. In today's episode, we'll dive into the wondrous human brain and its role in learning. Whether we learn skiing, foreign languages, math, or how to paint portraits, the brain is where it happens. At the same time, the brain is shaped by our learnings and experiences. It even seems that learning new things helps the brain stay in shape and age well. I'm curious about the interplay between learning and brain development and health. Understanding this seems to be key to lifelong learning. To find out more about this fascinating field, I've invited Åke Pålsammar, Professor in Neuropsychology at Uppsala University in Sweden. Åke is also a public educator and frequent speaker who knows how to popularize the brain. His diverse audiences profit from his deep subject matter expertise and humor. Åke is an appreciated and frequently engaged speaker at events, conferences, courses, and workplaces. Åke has also his own YouTube channel, Järnkanalen, which in English would be the Brain Channel. There he shares short videos about topics such as social phobia, multitasking, the teenage brain, and addiction, to name a few. Åke has been in the brain business for a long time. He told me that next year, it will be 50 years since he defended his PhD thesis in psychology, and that the university will celebrate him and the other Jubilee doctors with a ceremony that will include cannon shots next uh, spring. And recently, he also picked up acting and plays a role in Diorama, a Swedish movie, movie and love story where we get to follow a couple, Frida and Björn, from passion to marriage to family life from a scientific perspective. The movie Diorama is now streaming on Netflix. I can't think of a better guest than Åke for brain talk in general, and to better understand how the brain is our partner in lifelong learning. Hello, Åke, and welcome to the Learning Podcast. Hello, Anna. Thank you for inviting me. Are you all so, right? I'm good, thank you. Hope you are too. Uh, yeah. Before we... Before we dive in, I'd like to know more about the role you played in the movie Diorama. What was the part? Oh, it wasn't a, a very long or big role, unfortunately. But <laughs> I sat a few minutes talking about the neurobiology in the brain, in uh, people, but also in uh, some... Uh, animals and uh, we, we have found that uh, the same biological um, let us say um, chemical chemicals are um, working both in the animal and uh, human brains and has an effect on the relation so what it was about relation in people most, but we also said something about these animals that were 
very uh, interesting to study, much easier than people. You know. <laughs> so you played a scientist. Yes, I played one of three scientists, and um, I had something interesting to say. I hope, but uh, unfortunately, Hollywood has not. Uh, Heard, I have not heard of them yet, so <laughs> maybe it wasn't so as good as I thought. <laughs> well, may, may, who knows? With this, uh, the learning podcast episode that we're just recording, uh, it can reach a wider audience. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, if someone in Hollywood is listening and interested, uh, mm-hmm. please get in touch. Yeah. <laughs> um, so going back in time to to um, uh, to when you started in this field, what was it then, and maybe also now that you find so interesting about the human brain? I think almost everything seems so interesting and important. I wanted to know exactly how the brain and the nervous system works to give me wonderful information about myself and, of course, to other people regarding behavior, life, everything connected to life. And if I can learn about that myself and then inform or teach others how to make their body and mind as healthy and fit as possible, it would be a dream. So I try to live my dream. This interest has driven me to try to be a so-called expert in neuropsychology. It is a rather new subject, but has escalated fast during the couple of decades. Uh, many more are sharing these interests um, today or nowadays. So it sounds as if you knew very early what you wanted to do as a professional career. Yes, rather early, but uh, I also had other uh, things that I should have or could have started. But it uh, became very interesting very soon, this psychology that I started with. And I also was expert uh, after a few years in developmental psychology. But after a while, I found that the new um, knowledge that came across me in, in uh, oh, according to the brain and behavior made me very, very curious. And uh, then I started to study that field much, much more. And also in my thesis, I had this uh, connection with children in nine years old who had problems or not problems with our persistence in uh, school and uh, in life. And I measured some of those measures, the pulse, uh, the breathing, and things like that. You are a neuropsychologist. Um, 
which is a field that at least I have not heard very much about. I assume that it means that you know and can combine neuroscience and psychology. Uh, can you explain in more detail what neuropsychology is? Yes, uh, to make it very simple, neuropsychology is a combination of neuroscience and psychology, a mix of neurological knowledge and psychological knowledge. This mix will hopefully help us understand how, for example, our thinking, so-called cognitive with memory, language, etc., functions, emotions, drives, motives, and all kinds of behavior, how they are created in the brain. And also clinical neuropsychology was interesting. It deals with what has happened in the brain when a person cannot think or speech properly, uh, when he or she overreacts or has other problems within the emotional field, for example, anger, fear, anxiety. It also deals with um, persons uh, taking dangerous drugs, although he or she know it is a dangerous and not a healthy thing. There are also several sophisticated methods available today to measure, for example, different types of brain activity. Thereby, thereby we can get information on what is happening when a person think, dream, speak, and also when a person cannot speak and when she or he can and cannot write or count or have bursts of aggressive behavior or is heavily scared to make a speech, for example, has what we call social anxiety. Subjects and diagnosis like ADHD, autism, dementia, depression, schizophrenia, are also in, of interest for a neuropsychologist, uh, a short. What are the, the advantages or benefits of uh, combining these two fields? Uh, I think it was uh, very interesting to understand as much as possible because it was a very great and extremely difficult or complex mess of both brain activity information and behavior uh, um, information. It was uh, together an enormous challenge for me and made me focus more and more from what I mentioned developmental psychology toward the field of neuropsychology. Uh, later on, I managed to mix this, uh, these two fields. However, simply to be an expert with some expert knowledge that could contribute to help people with, for example, behavioral, emotional, cognitive problems of different, um, different kinds seems very nice to have as a, a, a life uh, attention.
is it a way to kind of grow your toolbox when mm. you uh for 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 understanding these issues or helping people with uh, um yes, say, co yes. cognitive uh, Issues. Every every uh, subject or every field of both psychology and other behavioral parts, they have th uh, their special uh, um, uh, way of working and tools, as you say. And uh, no, I got a lot of them from your science that are hand in developmental psychology. So let's turn to um, to uh, human learning. And uh, this, since yeah, this yeah. is a podcast about learning, can mm. you explain how human learning works? No, no. I, I mean, <laughs> no. it's very, it's very difficult. <clears throat> so I can, I can uh, say a few things. Uh, learning take place in many different parts of the brain. Today, we know that uh, so-called traces are made. Earlier, we just uh, talked about it must be a trait when you have a memory, for example. But traces, they, we know it today. They are made among the billions of neurons. We have about 100 billions in our brain. And neurons or nerve cells, they communicate with another at junctions called synapses. At a synapse, one neuron sends a message to a target neuron, another cell, or sometimes many other cells, up to maybe several thousand of other cells from one special cell. This is often due to chemicals called neurotransmitters. Dopamine and serotonin are examples of, of such. So we can today literally see how some parts of the synapses and neurons involved change in size, get more of the, get more of the certain neurochemical involved in learning act. Uh, when we get or create a memory. So earlier we couldn't see, we just guessed that must have happened something in the brain. Today we see, yes, this memory can be something we see, hear, sense, smell or taste, or something we do. For example, learn to bike or speak a foreign language. Learning... We know a lot of learning taking place in different um, parts of the brain with the help of a, a special uh, little part called the uh, hippocampus. I can't speak long about hippocampus because then I can't speak, have time for anything else. Uh, but it is a very, very important part that... Uh, gives us the possibility to get these uh, long-time memories. And also, learning needs attention for a shorter, longer time, attention. So these physical and chemical changes can really be produced. 
So you have to focus on what you will learn. Otherwise, there will be only a short, so we call it sensing, a simple sensation experience. And likewise, short neural stay of impulses in and between some of the nerve cells in the brain, but no traces are created. So this is uh, some of the secrets with learning when uh, we take the biological aspect of it. No one knows exactly today how learning works, but um, we had seen in the brain that um, we really have changes, and these changes make the the brain uh, just also to change. We, we're talking about uh, neuroplasticity as a part of the new information we get, that the brain, it wasn't uh, the same today. It isn't the same today as it was yesterday. And this because we had information that have given new traces in the brain. And that is when we learn something new. So it, 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 I just want to check that I have understood this correctly. Uh, the, the sort of foundations for learning is to form such traces in, in the um, neural system or in our brains. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and then it sounded as if traces is a form of memory. Is that correct? Oh, oh yes, yes. If you should have a memory uh, activated, then you need to think about it, and, and you do that with the help of hypo, um, with hippocampus, and then uh, it activates those uh, uh, neurons that are connected in uh, together uh, with that uh, memory. And that could be many, many, many millions of neurons that now activate and they are not situated only in the temporal lobe or the any special lobe but from from the vision you, you have it in the back of the, the brain and from the audion for for hearing you have it in the temporal lobe in the side of the brain and so forth so they are split up all most uh, memories and then hippocampus helped you to, to mix them together to get a good memory when you um, so therefore uh, hippocampus is a very important and if you drink a lot of alcohol there will be uh, much less of this activity or you stress a lot then the hippocampus will not work as good and your learning will be much worse. Mm -hmm. So when I think about memories, uh, I uh, my immediately thought is, you know, the memory, some memories you have from your childhood, say. The swing mm. I uh, I played with when I was a kid. I, I, you know, I have a memory of where it's sitting, how it feels to swing. Um, but that's not the same as 
as as learning uh that that's not that's something else than these traces and human learning right it's, it's a long time memory and you have learned something and uh, you, you can uh, have um uh, memories that are just shaped very very fast and but you all uh, still can use the time learning because they will um, affect your behavior afterwards and that is uh, one of the aspects of learning hmm. that's very interesting um what what does learning new things do to your brain or how does it shape the brain i think uh no if we learn something new uh to, by repeating something with high focus we, we need to know this and we have to uh, really have it inside us several many new nerve cells together build up and form networks it's called networks cells that communicate smooth fast and with high precision uh, at it is as we are walking a path in the forest, a path that uh, is poorly trodden. If you walk it again and again, it becomes more powerful and easier to access. Uh, there is an expression, neurons that fire together, wire together. Um, it was said by the famous Canadian psychologist, Donald Hebb, born in 1904 and died in 1985, working in many excellent universities, for example, McGill University. And he has inspired me and a lot of neuropsychologists by his research about how the function of neurons, nerve cells, contribute to the psychological processes, such as learning, as we're talking about now by learning, by learning, or just trying to learn new things, make the brain more able, sharp, and effective. It could be compared, I think, with a muscle. If we train the muscle, it will become more fit and strong. The same happens, really, with a brain that is activated by new learning. If you repeat and you get these connections over the synapses, this change in size and capacity of the um, involved neurons, it's a good brain muscle, so to say, that you can use for a long time. But but there is uh, differences um, for people who are um, used to do the same thing all the time and uh, are a little scared to uh, try something new. Uh, so you need to have what you can call challenge or... Uh, any challenge 
challenge makes the brain alert. We have an important assembly on ourselves in the lower part of our brain. It's called brain stem. It, the, the, that these uh, those cells are forming a structure called reticular formation or reticular activation system, RAS, that actually has the power to activate the whole brain to be more alert or so-called higher arousal level, given a higher arousal level, by which it becomes more capable to learn and to focus better. Uh, this uh, reticular activation system also down-regulates arousal or alertness when necessary. For example, when we are going to sleep. If uh, we don't get this down-regulation, we, we can't come to sleep. If there are no challenges, the brain becomes easily slower in action, and we also lose a lot of neurons that are not used in repetitive actions because such repetitive actions become easy to perform and therefore they successively can be, be performed by not so many but fewer neurons. And by again thinking of Donald Hebb, we know today that Neurons or nerve cells that not fire together will lose their power and many of them will actually die very dramatically, but they will die. Just like muscles, remember, you must use the brain in order to keep it fit and make it work well. And so that's it, what's happening a long time uh, in your life. Uh, so when you're young, it works very good. And also when you are um, a little older, you also have very, very sharp brains if these uh, neurons are trained or used. Otherwise, there will be much, much harder to learn things because you have not so good neurons anymore. So there is a, a, an over, a positive overall effect on the brain, mm. you know, to keep challenging yourself yeah. and learning new things being curious it's not just that yeah. you gain then learn these individual learnings and know how to do i don't know knitting or mm. Uh, mm. <laughs> rock climbing or whatever yeah, it's actually crazy. about the 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 organ itself it kind of stays healthier yeah. mm. I think, uh, I think we, we, if, you, if you look at this um, perspective of the whole life, uh, so you also hear me, people coming to age that uh, they are not so satisfied any longer with their brains. Uh, some are, some are not. 
And uh, if I should just um, say something about this um, learning in when we are coming to age, uh, we can say that the most um, general effect is that our brains becomes uh, a little slower, a little. Our brain cells seems some of them seems to disappear. There's a rule, but but it is not a catastrophe. We have during many years be by being active persons, and this is the the, the, the big gray then. If you are active person, you have trained your nerve cell to become more capable, capable. So a lot of them can really leave and die, and we still have enough capacity left due to the early training of the remaining neurons. At the same time, we may notice that about 2,000 brand new brain cells are produced every night up to the age of over 90 years. So we can still adapt and learn new things, but to a somewhat slower pace. The speed of the impulses in and between cells over the synapses decrease somewhat after the age of 40 and 50 and even little more after 70 years but uh, still good enough for many many activities uh, it's not so good to um, drive fast cars very fast because our reaction time reaction time is a little longer than it used to be because of this um, sending of impulses is a little slower uh, so uh, this is uh, no catastrophe to be old uh, but it could be if you if you haven't trained your cells earlier, because then when cells die, you will have very much difficulties to learn new things. Mm -hmm. uh, um. I think I think you you are thinking about um, if there are any important differences between young people including small children uh, and they yeah, I was, told you. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you if, if the older brain, say, uh, learn in the same way as a, as a younger brain. Yes, this is what I, I'll also try to find out by, ha by uh, having a life perspective um, on this, uh, these changes and the learning that is done in the earlier years and in the late years. Uh, there are some um, important differences. One is between young people then and uh, including small children because that they are in, uh, a, uh, in a slow, uh, 
or maybe you could say fast, but maturation is slow because it takes very, very long time for the, the human brain to mature um, compared to many, many animals. But the maturation in the brain is uh, and and how slowly increasing and thereby not only the speed by which learning can be made but also what kind of things that can be learned uh, I, I found then simple examples are the problem are the problem to understand moral aspects like what is right and what is wrong but also rules of behavior and social codes and many many other things Small children do not have yet this capacity in their parts of the brain that we call frontal lobes. They are situated in the forehead. Rules uh, to manage and learn these things for uh, rather many years, in fact. Therefore, strong emotion might be expressed here and now instead of being inhibited or postponed because in the frontal lobes we have something that we call uh, executive, executive, executive functions and uh, this, um, these cells help us to inhibit some behaviors that are not uh, suited right here. In fact, the ability then to use this, these executive functions, including uh, planning also, organizing, and as I said, inhibition, have yet many years to go before they are developed. Uh, research show that not until around 25 years of age of such functional parts or the frontal lobe fully, at least almost fully matured. And then the learning and memorizing of such things seems adequately developed. So in short, the same basic biological procedures taking place in the brain learning, new things, whether we are toddler or old, network of cells will be created and made more and more able to communicate together and organize the desired behavior, walking or dancing or whatever it is. So uh, the, the, the toddler is not going to be very good at planning, uh, right. you know, the, the year ahead, say. Uh, but mm. the toddler is probably very good at some other learning some other things. What would be you know what do they where in in what parts of learning do they excel can you give an example they, they are very good at uh, perception and uh, feeling with their senses they learn a lot of things and they have to learn a lot of things very fast since these parts of the brain those are matured, many, many cells connect to each other. Therefore, also the learning goes very fast in that from one day to another, the child 
could get up and start walking one step or two steps, three. And this is a very, very complex activity. And uh, we can see that this very big step in changing motor activity in that way, it's much uh, slower when we get older and, and more difficult because of these uh, connections that are maturing very fast, as I said, in the lower ages. And also, and, and also I remember some researchers that uh, worked at my department, they had looked at, uh, at what time the possibility to learn new languages uh, stops or will be slower. And they say about seven to nine years, then uh, there is a little up to that age. It, it's very, very fast learning. Just have to be in an environment when there is a special language sp spoken, um, maybe not your your native, but other also. And they just, uh, just create these traces in the brain almost immediately or very, very fast. You have maybe in the old days tried to learn Italian <laughs> or something or this and you go oh again and again and then you can say a few words and uh, and it takes a lot of things. So there are changes changes in the brain that um, could um, explain this and uh, this uh, example shows that. Uh, that's a wonderful thing with learning, but we also have to take our chances when uh, we are in ages that the possibility to learn is as fast as never later mm -hmm. or before maybe also. So it seems that, are you saying that toddlers are actually very good at communication? Yes, they are. <laughs> And they can really very fast learn the one, two, or three languages uh, beside without, there is a little slower before they are excellent. But after that part, then they are <laughs> equipped with something that is very, very uh, good to have. In, in their brains then and, and very easily they haven't uh, they didn't have to do a lot of work to get this information it's just this coming the blowing up in the brain their wonderful cells that are waiting for work to work and uh, if you miss this chance to give the children there's that there is not anything in, um, coming back again later because we are slower and slower than with our new language uh, learning. I think uh, many listeners in our audience consider themselves lifelong learners. I, I certainly do. Mm -hmm. Can you tell mm -hmm. us about some things that may help us stay in shape brain-wise 
throughout life. I think so. Oh, yeah, I think a lot of things have been found. Some things that we know is important for to have the brain in shape, good shape or fit. Yet, I think uh, most of us know this, but healthy food is a very big or interesting thing today. Um, Mediterranean uh, things is uh, good. Physical activities has always played a big role. And earlier when we didn't uh, have our, uh, uh, it's called uh, of, um, mobiles and uh, data. Then Mobile phones. Our, oh yeah, we, we were moving around a lot more. But today we are most still. So physical activities play a very important role for our brains. And of course also that we just not only sit still and not think of anything else but what is being shown on the television or something. Um, then we have... Um, no uh, possibility to build new connections. Um, I think that brain gymnastics, or what you will call it, uh, so solving crosswords, reading books, and so that takes a little bit of energy from you. It's very, very good for the brain. And so is social activities. Uh, general, it's about to feel community and spend time with friends. Gladly also dancing, singing in a core and things like that. And uh, this has been found to be very, very important to keep your brain healthy. We uh, must also be... Uh, be careful if we have um, high blood blood pressure and those medical things that we know we have to look up to uh, look after. So check the heart related things. Maybe we can say, and but also not forget other healthy things like relaxation. Today we talk about stress very much, but also we need when we have gone up high in speed activation. We need relaxation for the brains to um, get some new uh, lovely rest. Sleeping well includes in this, uh, sleeping well six or seven hours uh, at least. Uh, everybody cannot get that, but uh, it's um, it's a new uh, important things to look over again. I think in the light of new research, uh, so we have found, for example, that um, if you sleep well uh, a night, there is a lot of activity being done in. Uh, in um, your brain in the form of a washing machine that starts, yes, a washing machine starts in your brain and then it it washes away 
senile plaques that you have heard maybe about that if they accumulate they is a, get uh, have um, a bad impact on the brain and start maybe a development of Alzheimer or another of these demands uh, sicknesses. So they therefore also try to um, sleep well if you can and of course not um, overusing alcohol and drugs including smoking and also trying also to minimize heavy long time stress short time stress is not so um, bad but uh, long time stress has an effect on uh, remember hippocampus yes <laughs> it makes cells die really in hippocampus and since hippocampus was so important in you learning and memory then there will be a problem in this field mm. yes. and, keep, and keep on learning things you're curious uh, about yeah. keep, keep on being curious keeping on yeah. mm. do yeah, do you have fine. do you have any new learning projects i have some interesting challenges that wait around the corner i think also for all of us but for, for me also uh, i can mention two examples if you like to hear one is to get to know more about the so-called enteric nervous system enteric nervous system is formed by neurons embedded in the lining of the gastrointestinal tract uh, so it's located in the stomach in the stomach small intestine and colon it uh, really sometimes called the second brain because it contains a wide range of neuron types similar to them in the brain really really similar the same chemical transmitters Yes, and integrated neural circuits or networks. I think it must be very interesting to know how stomach aches relates to anxiety in the brain and many other things that includes the stomach and as we see also the brain. This is one of the new things I want to learn very much about. The other is the teenager brain and its development and the increasing quantity of odd and risky behavior. Could it be there that our frontal lobes, uh, these in the forehead, are not matured enough to inhibit some of the cravings and emotions the teenager of, often express? Yes, the maturation of nerve cells in the brain takes time Brain maturation, by the way, occurs from back to front. And when the hormones completely explode in the 14-year-old girl and boy, then the controlling part, the frontal lobes, in the brains are not in place, so to say. They are not good enough yet. Some say not properly matured until 20 or 25 years. Think of a car equipped with a powerful engine with many horsepower. That could be compared 
with a drive and emotional parts situation deep inside the brain called, for example, amygdala, hypothalamus, etc. Think also that this car has weak brakes and poor steering equipment that maybe could be compared with the unmatured frontal lobes in the front in the teenage. Overall, this car is going to accelerate fast and thereby probably easily encounter high risk in the traffic, just like the teenager exploding, shouting out, take risky chances and so forth, without so far not being able to use their brakes, the frontal lobe brain cells to stop the risky behaviors. Maybe this is something we ought to know a lot more of, and I want myself would like to know many more details about the connection between the unmatured, slow maturing teenager brain and their behavior, early maturation in some parts, but late maturation in other in the brain will probably create communication problems within the brain and problems with some of the behaviors of the teenagers. This is what I'm up to, to learn about. That was a very colorful and uh, illustrating description of the teenager, the teenage brain. Mm, thanks. Orke, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for speaking with me and sharing your knowledge and your thoughts uh, in neuropsychology, uh, the brain, uh, and uh, human learning. It's been mm. a pleasure having you on the show. I learned a lot. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of the Learning Podcast with neuropsychologist Åke Paul Sammar. It was a bit surprising to hear that in 2023, we still don't fully understand how human learning works. So there's probably room for more podcasts on that topic. I was fascinated by the interplay between learning and brain health, and it was comforting to learn that 20,000 brand new brain cells are created every night in, of our lives until we reach our 90s. It's intriguing how the human brain is trying to understand itself. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll tune in again. Take good care of yourselves and your precious brains.